If it's nerdy, we're into it. Gaming, movies, television, wrestling, comics, whatever. We are Kyle Eckert and Chris Heck, two lifelong friends with a passion for the world of geekery. And this is the Geek Catch-Up Podcast. Welcome back, Geek Catch-Up family. You're listening to Season 2, and this is Chapter 25. I'm Chris Heck. And I'm Kyle Eckerd. Today is a super exciting chapter for us as we are diving into something that we've had circled on the calendar since 2019. The brand new PS5 and Xbox Series X. That's right, the next generation of console video gaming is now. And after all the hype, all the expectations, and all the talking about what these consoles could and should be, we finally got our hands on them and have been testing them as much as we could before sharing our first impressions with you. Before we get started, though, we want to give a shout out to all of you and to say thank you for listening and that we appreciate you choosing to spend your time with us. If you've enjoyed Geek Ketchup, then be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a chapter and leave us a review to let us know how you think we're doing. You can also find us on social media to get updates on the show and content from the world of geekery. We're at Geek Ketchup Podcast on Facebook and YouTube, at Geek Ketchup Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and links to all of these accounts are available on our website, geekketchuppodcast.com. There's even links to our Patreon page and PayPal if you'd like to support the show, but the absolute best thing you can do is simply share Geek Ketchup with your friends and family. So with that out of the way, and Thanksgiving taking place last week, we also want to take a few minutes to share a little bit about our lives and what we've been thankful for lately. So Kyle, what about you? Anything you were particularly thankful for while gobbling down turkey last week? (laughs) So much turkey. So much turkey, so much stuffing, so much mashed potatoes. It's all glorious. I I am incredibly thankful for my friends and my family. As always, you know, the support system around me has just always been so great. and And I am incredibly thankful for that. I'm also incredibly thankful for my girlfriend, Taylor, who has been supportive of me and this podcast, uh, especially as we navigated the waters early on as far as commitment level and such. Um, She never wavered on me and was always there to support me. So she is someone I'm always very thankful for. Um, And also, I'm incredibly thankful for the podcast itself. Absolutely. We touched on this a while back in our anniversary chapter about the people that we've met along the way and that have supported us and this the fact that we've gotten to meet them, interact with them, do crossovers. It's been a ton of fun. But also the podcast itself to be creative and for you and I to express ourselves and our opinions. And one thing that I've never fully gone into full detail on uh, on the podcast is before we started all this, I was actually the on-field MC for a local minor league baseball team. And I'd had that job for the better part of a decade. And right when we first started up, the podcast was kind of on my tail end of being the MC for this minor league baseball team. So kind of transitioning from that into the podcast has been really fun for me because it it gives me a chance to be creative. Sure. And it's something you don't necessarily get in your nine to five all the time or in other parts of your life. So I'm just incredibly thankful that the podcast has been just an expression of creativity for, for me. Not just, you know, of course, it's been tough in the past couple months with what we're all going through and COVID and things like that. But just in general, you know, to have that spark of creativity, have that that way to express yourself. It feels weird to call a podcast art, but, you know, it is creating nonetheless. So I'm very thankful for all of that. 
Well, it's not just the podcasts like you listen here, but it's the the fun graphics, it's the videos, the video clips. You know, it all has kind of grown into a little bit more than what it was when we first started out. And I think that is a direct response to or a direct result of the creativity flourishing as we've gotten more uh, familiar and comfortable with what geek catch up is and and what we're got what we've got going on here with the podcast. So it's just those natural progressions. I, I definitely am with you. You know me, I was not into media and things like that as much. So this was a very new outlet for me, a very new way to to express myself. Usually the only creativity I had in my bones was when I was cooking and, you know, sitting over a stove sauteing up something tasty. Um, so it's been very similar from that standpoint for me. Yeah, it's just been it's been really cool. You know, I, I come from an artistic background where I, I went to school for television and film. That's not quite the direction my career took me in, but I held on to those skills. And I, I'm really happy that I, I can finally bring them back into my life and to do them on something that is very personal to me has been a lot of fun. Right. And on your terms. And on my terms. Yeah, I'm not making... <laughs> Uh, as it started in my career before I took that other path, I was making car commercials, which is not <laughs> the best way to express creativity uh, on your generic buy, 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 sell, 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 Labor Day, all must go type <laughs> commercials because that is what I was doing for eight hours a day. And yeah, it was, uh, it, I guess it paid the bills. Ultimately, it didn't, which is why <laughs> I went into another industry. But right, yeah. uh, this is this is much more fun than that. It happens to the best of us, you know. You got to check certain things or cross them off the list to know what you don't want in life, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and that is 100% true. Sitting in an edit suite, making car commercials, not for me. Not as glorious as Mad Men? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Yeah, because that's what you think. You know, you go to film school and you're like, oh, I'm going to be the next Spielberg. I'm going to be the next Scorsese. I'm going to make this these crazy artistic films and then... <laughs> <laughs> you graduate and you're like, oh, well, it's either I go to work at the news station or this, you know, second rate advertising agency or I move to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> those are your only options. I was going to say, that's not a shot on those in the <laughs> television film industry. Like a lot of people have made it and a lot of people had probably a bit more commitment to taking those big leaps at a young age. But, you know, I, I got a taste of that and then fell into the world of education and enjoyed that and haven't left. Yeah, you know, it works out. And now we're here. And now we're here. <laughs> so that's what I'm thankful for in a super long-winded answer. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I definitely have to echo what you said. I'm very thankful for, for everything that's happened in 2020 for Geek Catch Up. The people we've met, listeners, and, you know, interacting with social media followers has been tons of fun. And, you know, so many interesting people out there that absolutely love and are passionate about a lot of the things we talk about. So um, just seeing those different opinions and getting to interact with people from around the world has been super cool. Absolutely the same thing about Sarah Beth. You know, she has been supportive, number one fan from the get-go, lets us sit up here and play and record and do all the things we do. So um, without those backbones, you know, behind every man is a good woman, right? You know, so (laughs) that definitely, definitely applies to us. And And, you know, going through the whole year, um, it's been very wild at times for obvious reasons with COVID and everything. But, you know, you and I were talking not too long ago 
about how we've also done so much this year. Um, yeah. Even though sometimes it doesn't even feel like it because of everything else that's going on. So uh, just happy that we have had the ability to continue on with the things we started, you know, last year, despite the external circumstances. But outside of that, or kind of in line with that, right, uh, if I had to say really anything, I would say I was very thankful to be able to travel up to Maryland, uh, you know, in the last two weeks. You know me, I usually make that trip four or five, six times a year for various reasons. And this year it's been, you know, two times, three times tops, I think. Yeah. And uh, so I've gotten to see the family a lot less, gotten to see you all a lot less, other friends a lot less. And so getting to come up for a few days was pretty nice. Obviously, it was to pick up the new consoles since, you know, as we told on the pre-order story, you were the gunslinger that got all the pre-orders. You had all the deliveries on launch week. But, you know, I also just had... Another new niece come in, so baby Lydia joined the family and gives us now seven nieces and nephews, Um, and so I got to meet her for the first time, just two or three weeks old, tiny little thing, and, you know, see the moms, the dads, uh, sisters, you know, brother-in-law, new brother-in-law, too, so, you know, lots going on, and uh, just really, really thankful that, you know, despite how tough 2020 has been for a lot of people, that you know, for the most part, our family has stayed healthy and, you know, fairly blessed. The last thing I'll throw in there just because it was super cool was my grandfather got his brand new 2020 Corvette C8 Stingray and he ordered it pre-COVID when they were first launched and it took, you know, way longer to get because of COVID and they ended up making significantly less of them than they were planning on. Sure. So they already call them the COVID Corvettes. Yeah. But they changed the entire body style, like front to back. These things are are just bad to the bone. It's pretty much a Chevrolet Ferrari, the way they designed it. And it's got a mid-engine build now. But the damn thing is like this neon Sebring orange, black racing stripes, white leather interior, 495 horsepower. Zero to 60 in 2.9, yeah. and it lived up to every bit of that. Driving it was by far the most insane car I've ever been in as far, you know, behind the wheel. Yeah. Driving on those back crunchy roads, just gripping. You know, you know some of those roads, and we yeah. used to... We used to drive them in old Ford Explorers and, you know, 1994 Saturns. Yeah, the 94 Saturn Sports Coupe where, yeah, so I'm sure the grip was much better in the Corvette than that thing. Yeah, so taking some of those roads that we've driven for years and and being in a machine like that was just wild. But by far the most technologically advanced car I've ever been in as well. Like cameras everywhere, full tech inside and out. Had like a 13-speaker Bose Jesus. Uh, sound system in a coupe, you know? Yeah, in a coupe. Yeah, right? Yeah, wow. That's so, wild. Yeah, so it was just kind of wild. And I know he, my grandfather, is super pumped. He's like in his 70s, just rocking this bright orange car around the town. And like everybody wants to be his friend now. So it was cool, you know, just it was a quick trip, but it really, coming off of it, had me thinking even more like, because the times like that together and seeing everybody has been so much more rare this year for us living at a distance from our family, at least in my case. It just kind of put everything more in perspective. Like, everybody's still here. Everybody's healthy. Yeah. The family is growing. And so I don't think I could be any more thankful for anything else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. It was nice yeah, to have you up. You kind of joked about having all of the PlayStations at my house. It was kind of surreal <laughs> to have literally three PlayStations and an Xbox sitting in my living room, just kind of like staring at me. And Taylor actually kept joking. She's like, I'm seeing how much these are going for. I might just hawk one. And I was like, please don't do that because the one that gets hawked is going to inevitably be mine. Yeah. So that's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's on that pin trade, so she knows how to she knows how to work the interwebs to sell some stuff. Oh know? yeah. <laughs> well, that's how it started. Like the one lady she buys pins from had put it uh, like an all call out to her followers being like, "Hey, I'd really like to get my son a PlayStation 5 for Christmas. I'm willing to pay above retail, yada yada." And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she's like, well, we got three here. Right. It's like, no, 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 no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, like, dial that back. <laughs> she's like, we need to do a few things to this new house. <laughs> yeah. Let's, say, let's, yeah, I got, let's, dial, hey, let's look at the house and like, hold on. Like, let's not just flip things. But, That's funny. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I see what you said there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> ultimately, obviously, it didn't. I did agree that I would activate gunslinger mode a few more times in an attempt to snag another one. But, it ended up not working out, and the effort just wasn't there like it was the first time. Well, and it seems like it's been even almost harder to get them now. I've seen some some people online, you know, on Facebook expressing, you know, a lot of frustration because they're like, oh, you know, Walmart's got, you know, here. Yeah. Best Buy's got them here, and people are trying to get them, and, and it's pretty much the same thing that happened when we were trying to pre-order them. So I still say you just had the magic the magic touch, the magic internet connection, whatever it may be, it was the most successful pre-order situation ever. Yeah. And it totally worked out, but, you know, and it obviously it was kind of weird having to drive uh, seven hours, you know, to come up and pick something up. But if, if it wasn't for that, then I literally wouldn't have been able to meet my niece yet, see my grandfather's car, see my family or, you know, any of those things. So it really just kind of worked out all around. Uh, yeah. With the timing, oh, yeah. you know, we weren't sure exactly when we were going to get them because of all the questions on shipping and delays and supply. And we got lucky enough to have them come in pretty much right away. Yeah, two two PlayStations, the Walmart and the Amazon PlayStation came in day of. Yep. Like, boom, right day of. And then it was the Target purchases that were a little delayed, both in the Xbox and the third PlayStation that were bought from Target came in roughly two to three days right. after release day. You know, and you talked about when they came in. I was actually thinking, uh, I wondered what the the FedEx guy had to have been thinking because <laughs> they didn't come in external boxes. Like it was just boom, right? Like you know, here's the here's the um, PlayStation, right? No, they came in external boxes. Ah, uh, okay. So it was just the pictures you sent. I was just thinking, like, yeah. this guy's just dropping off, you know, <laughs> like multiple consoles to this one house. He had to have just been like, what in the hell? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Who is this guy? But well, we kept joking, like, that FedEx guy probably all day, he's got all of these boxes in the back of his truck. They're all the same size and weight. True. And then he just keeps going to houses where, like, middle-aged men are bouncing in the windows like puppies <laughs> like the fedex guy's here the fedex guy's here <laughs> like he's got my toy right right well whoever those guys were they definitely got workouts because both these consoles are absolutely massive neither of them are light and you had us rolling because when you did get the consoles you were taking pictures and no offense but you're not the largest dude in the room 
you no. know, and <laughs> and I am not kidding, Geek Ketchup family. When Kyle picked up the PS5 box, it blacked out his torso. <laughs> like you could not see his arms, his chest, you know, anything from it was just chin and then waist underneath. And he was like a yeah. walking PS5 box. That is how big this thing was. Oh yeah. I, I propped my phone up and then, you know, set the delay, took the picture. And once I saw the reflection of myself, <laughs> like in the self-facing camera, I could not stop laughing. I was like, this looks so silly. Yeah. Like and it looked like, you know. You look at that like kid from the N64 video <laughs> and how big the box is compared to his body. Yeah. Okay, and he's like a nine-year-old kid. Here I am, a 34-year-old man <laughs> having the exact same experience. It's the PS5 and it's blocking half like half my body, all of my upper torso. And then of course I followed it up with the Xbox picture. Yeah. Yeah. And the Xbox picture was literally like half. You know, it was like just your stomach blocked out. And it, we just, it, it like perfectly summed up all the discussions we've had, all the internet speculation about the, the design of the PS5 and the size and the comparisons to the Series X. And then you just see just the boxes. Yeah. And the sheer size difference. Like, you know, we can jump into it here, but I mean, the PS5 is literally massive. And, oh, yeah. And when I pulled it out of the box, I don't know what your thoughts were, but my, my first thought was, it was like pulling a TV out. You know, it had the egg crates down the side. You got to struggle to pull the whole thing vertically, you know, out of this tall box and and pull it apart. And, and it was just like pulling a flat screen TV out. Actually, pretty sure I pulled it out the same way I pulled my TV out, where I laid it on its side and then and kind of used the one hand as support on the box and yeah. slipped it out. Like, I actually had to do that with the PlayStation because it's... It's huge. It's a total monstrosity. It's massive. And it's awkward, like, between the length of it. Yeah. But it's got this really big booty. <laughs> you know, it's, like, really fat on one end with the disk drive. Because, actually, we should qu- qualify that we both got the full, you know, disk drive version, not the digital only. And then it's got, you know, these weird bevels and curves. So it doesn't, like, sit flat in your hands. Nope. The, the base you know, was absolutely frustrating, you know, because we both went with the horizontal yeah. setup. I had to. <laughs> and we had to, yeah. And it didn't use the screw. So then every time you're trying to move this thing to adjust it on your on your entertainment center, find that right spot, the base came off. You got to put it back on. So yeah, it, it, it was interesting. And, and the design is ridiculous. Like I said that when we first saw it, but... Depending on your room and the setup of your house, your entertainment center, it is not very flattering. No, no. And like like I said, I laid it down on its side because I had to because my television stand like couldn't handle having it vertically. I would have literally <laughs> had to take one of the tiers out so it could fit vertically if I wanted it underneath the television. So, And I didn't want it on the side because it's going to be like, half the length not actually half the <laughs> length of the tv but maybe a quarter yeah. uh, of the you know the height of it all and it made me laugh cuz i thought about is like having one next to your tv like a power move so when people <laughs> walk into your living room and they see it you're like yeah just intimidate them five like look at it look at that beast well, you can't it's miss huge. it oh no you can't it's because it's and it's white with the white sides yeah i'm really interested to see what playstation and what sony does moving forward like because you can obviously you can detach the white sides yeah so i'm really hoping to have some customization options 
down the line to help hide it because it does like whether it's on its side or vertical when it's in your living room it's noticeable right Uh, on that note and i do fully expect that they will come out with some custom plates or finally some third parties will be allowed to do it but i did see just to throw this in here because you reminded me i did see on facebook just the other day I think it was from GameBite, and they had the smartest idea. I'm really contemplating doing this but because I love Plastidip. I've used Plastidip, which is the spray rubber. You know, it's like spray paint, but it puts yeah. down rubber coatings, and people use it for a lot of stuff. I use it on my pedal boards. I've got a buddy that would use it to color the rims on his car because he wanted to do them, you know, different uh, colors all the time. Okay. And if you're not familiar with Plastidip, because it's spray rubber – on most surfaces you can go back after it dries you can peel it right off and it leaves no residue it leaves no it's not permanent spray paint and so this guy on game bite he went and got some black plasti dip and took the panels off and did both sides and made it a perfect matte black and put them back on and it looked sharp and they make plasti dip in a couple different colors so I don't know. I I haven't fully committed to it, but you know they're just plastic pieces. Like you could probably buy more down the line, so it's not really going to impact the console. And I was like, I might do it. You know, get rid of the white. It's tempting. I feel like I'd be so nervous, but I'm gonna like <laughs> void a warranty. I mean, because you're obviously gonna void a warranty. Not if it'll peel off. It's not permanent. Ah, eh, all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would still be nervous. Yeah. I think I think I'll just live. I'm gonna be the type of person that's like, I'm just gonna live with the white <laughs> until Sony tells me it's okay. <laughs> well, if I if I guinea pig it, I will definitely let let you know. For sure. You know, because it was tempting. I thought it was a smart idea for for if you really hate the white. But anyway, so the the design was definitely something that you just can't ignore. And the Xbox 2, it was actually a lot bigger. Even though the packaging was smaller, it kind of came packaged like a Apple product. Like it was really, you know, modern. As soon as you popped it open, the device was right there. It was easier to pull out of the box for whatever that's worth, you know. But but it really became apparent, like, this thing is massive in its own right, you know. And yeah. it's, it's a little bit more compact, and it's a little bit more in line with what we're used to as far as console design. But when you pull it up, I mean, it's got some serious dimensions, and the weight is is undeniable. It's it's original Xbox heavy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I did read that the Xbox Series X is nine point eight pounds. Ooh, I'd believe it. Yep. And and then surprisingly, the PlayStation Five is uh, is nine point nine pounds. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that I thought, like, that's kind of crazy that the weight is just dispersed. Yeah. And an extra, like, because I think it's about a three-inch height difference. Yeah, it's definitely longer and wider. The Xbox is just, the Series X, at least, is just, like, one giant 3D rectangle. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have to see if I can find the weight of the actual Xbox, the original Xbox. <laughs> because I, I remember that thing was a hoss as well. Yeah. Like yeah. both dimensions and overall weight. Oh, here we go. It was it was eight point eight pounds. Oh man, so we are in bigger territory. So the PS five is like officially the heaviest console of all time. <laughs> no, no. The PlayStation 3 takes the cake as the heaviest uh, console of all time at 11 pounds. Ah, uh, okay, okay. I mean, we were talking the other day, the PS3 was a massive console too. I just think it had a little bit 
more appealing design, you know, the giant spaceship, but it was, <laughs> it's really just the white panels in, in, in all of it with the PS5 as far as aesthetics. But they have a history of massive consoles oh, yeah. on the first launch. Yeah, I think the PlayStation 3 at launch, the original PlayStation 3, which is tough to remember because they followed it up with two versions after that yeah. that significantly like reduced the size. But the original PlayStation 3 was just under 13 inches long uh, and about 11 inches deep and then almost four inches thick. Okay, yeah, so it was pretty close. Yeah, like, and you kind of got to look at it it's weird because when you look at dimensions for the PlayStation 5, like everyone's out the gate, they're like 15 inches high and this and that. And it's because whether you lay it down on its side or whether you lay it up vertical, you know, is going to affect all of that. But in the end, it, it's kind of surprising that it's there's really only a three inch, two inch difference here in, you know, length, height, however you want to look at it. Yeah. It's kind of wild to me. Yeah. So I mean, it's not something that that is going to be a deal breaker. Clearly, we still went out and bought them, and ultimately, I think as we get into this, it could have literally been designed anyway because the the internals on these machines are just scorching. Yeah, how fast they're going, and and it is so impressive that you literally forget what any of it looks like as soon as you start playing, you know? Yeah. And and that's really what we're here for, right? So let's run down some of these things, Kyle, and, and really get into what we've been seeing with the new consoles. Um, I know we've got some, some of the issues that have been reported because there have been some just like with any electronic device. One thing I, I want to call out for both here was that I thought that setup was an absolute breeze. Yeah. You know, compared to previous consoles, they brought in mobile applications to use for, for both the Xbox and the PlayStation. You know, so you pretty much booted it up that first time, then swapped over to the app so you could easily get your information in or scan a QR code. And it was like, boom, your console was ready to go. Yeah. So I thought that was really nice way to streamline things. I did not expect the QR code on the PlayStation side. Like, that was a wonderful surprise in seeing, like, oh, here you can sign in or sign in on the app and hit the QR code, and it almost basically did it for you. Yeah. And so, I you know, I hit, I signed in the app. As soon as I signed in the app, I realized that the app had been updated, which was pretty slick. Yeah. Because I was just in that app, you know, the, the day or two before um, you know, transitioning some stuff, looking at some things on my PlayStation 4. Shout out to Mike. He let me borrow a PlayStation 4 because <laughs> it was just too hard going Switch only. So they made that update and it really did. It made sign in and set up just like super quick. Just boom, boom, boom. Next, next, next. Yep. Like easy peasy lemon squeezy. I was so surprised because, you know, anytime you have to transfer accounts from device to device, you know, you're trying to get your information, your save data, whatever it may be, you know, it's it's always a little bit of a process. And I think technology in general, we've seen that get a little bit better, especially with the cloud. But this was literally no effort at all on either console. You know, for the Xbox, I, what I even liked was that all my settings, everything, because it's the same UI from the One X yeah. to the Series X, so everything came up exactly like I already had it. My favorite games were there. You know, the custom purple color I use for my trim on my UI was all already there. 
And and so it was almost like you didn't even change consoles, to be honest. You know, you were just plug and play. Just plug and play. To go. And that's awesome. I was, it was actually something I was going to ask you in your experience with the Xbox was if it was just this fluid experience from the old one to the new one as far as UI, because I don't, you know, don't want to quickly move into the UI discussion here, but there were some differences between the PlayStation 4 UI and the PlayStation 5, which has caused some hiccups, at least on my end. Um, but as far as signing in and pulling down save data and, you know, uploading games and finding the PS4 library, that was all like a really, really easy. So I do have to applaud that. Yeah, well, the, the PS5 UI, just kind of like what Sony's done over the last couple of consoles, really probably going back to the PS3, they're very similar. Yeah. And they just keep refining it as they go and then maybe adding in some new features. So so it's definitely, you know, if you're jumping from your PS4 to a PS5, 90% is is going to feel very similar. It's a little yeah. less cluttered, which is nice. And the quick menu that they added to the bottom when you hit that PlayStation menu, I think is less intrusive than what the PS4 quick menu was, where it kind of like blocked half your screen, you know. So so Sony definitely did make some improvements, but you're right. There's some other little things like how you turn it off, you know, bringing up that menu the tap versus the hold, it seems to be getting everybody, you know, from some of those standpoints, because it's just like weird nuances. Well, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll joke about it probably a little later when we get into games, but it's like when you transition from one game to the, to another and the dodge button is different. Yeah. And, you know, you, you go to dodge and you're swinging and they're like, oh, crap. And so... You're like, no, it's this button, and then that makes you crouch, and you just can't figure it out. Yep. Like, and eventually, it gets worked out. You settle in. You get used to, the, you know, the button pattern and the workflow of it all, and it's not an issue. But in the early days, like, because I'll say I'm one of those people that continue, you know, whatever, a week and a half into it, I'm still tapping when I should hold and holding when I should tap. <laughs> yeah, it, it never ends with some of that kind of stuff, especially when I go from Xbox to PlayStation. It gets <laughs> yeah. me even more because some of those things are just opposite for whatever reason. Um, but to answer your question about the Xbox, Microsoft actually had updated the Xbox UI a couple months back, I want to say. Maybe the beginning of the year where it kind of modernized it. And then they hit it with one more update just a few weeks back like in anticipation of the Series X coming out. So I think that they kind of just handled all of that already. And so getting the new, the new Xbox was really like getting a new iPhone where, you know, uh, iOS and everything is pretty much the exact same. You know, you've just got some new hardware, you've got some new camera features, whatever it may be. But as far as, you know, what you're doing, turning it on, turning it off, accessing your apps, you know, all of that is, is the same as what you've been using for the last couple of years. And so it made it really nice. Kind of along those lines, I'll go ahead and throw it out here. The the seamlessness continued with the smart delivery. So like I bought yeah. uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla on the Xbox One X, played about 15 hours, got my Series X. You know, part of the setup process, I went and downloaded Valhalla on there. Next-gen version had zero hurdles, zero issues. It downloaded super fast, and I'm sure this will help transition us into what the most exciting thing, which is absolutely the super, super speedy uh, SSDs in these things. But downloaded all of Valhalla in under 30 minutes on a wired fiber connection, which was very impressive. And, and then when I loaded it up, my saved game data was already there. 
it was like I never changed consoles. I was just now in the game, and it was operating better and looked better. And so they really hit it even with the smart delivery as they were promoting. So, you know, just to kind of wrap up that part of the puzzle, it, it was just so seamless and smooth on both consoles running from the current gen into the next gen. Yeah, absolutely. One little piece I think we have to throw Xbox's way where, you know, this isn't a direct comparison. That's not what we're doing here. But you can't deny that Xbox giving you your save data when you downloaded the game versus how PlayStation did it, where you had to go out to the cloud and specifically pull that game data down. Yeah. Was a little cumbersome. I know that when we went to play Avengers for the first time, you logged in and your game data wasn't there. Right. Yeah. And I was a little nervous at first because I was expecting it to be just like it was with the Xbox experience since I had already gone through that. And and then, yeah, so we went to play Avengers to try it out on the new console. You know, you finally had it back after yeah, what happened. Yeah, finally got Avengers back. <laughs> yeah, and and so that was just an extra step. It, it ultimately only took a few minutes. It really wasn't that bad, but, you know, it kind of made me pause for a second. Like, did I just lose all my game data? And it was just one little, one little extra step. It's one little thing. And if you're used to that process, it wasn't a big deal. I'll say on, on my end... I, because I literally just got that borrowed PS4 from Mike. Going to give him the shout out again because he saved my life for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and that I literally, he gave me a factory default PlayStation 4. So I'd already gone through that process of setting up a PlayStation right. 4, like yeah. not but two weeks ago and getting everything off the cloud and getting everything set up. So I kind of went into that mode when I was setting up my PlayStation 5. Like I instantly was like, all right, well, where's my save? Where's my game data? Where do I get to the cloud? Right. Found, found it in the settings menu and instantly pulled it down. And I thought it was cool in that settings menu, you can pull down PS5 and PS4 separately. Right. Yeah. And you can transfer them back and forth. And yeah. It's super cool. So I, we didn't, I didn't mess with the hardwired cable, um, but you know, I would imagine that that worked almost the same. Yeah, I did a network transfer for some of my Xbox data because with Rocksmith, if I didn't do it that way, the Xbox Live Store, because I literally have like 300 and some, 305 downloaded songs on Rocksmith, and you know you would literally have to go in and individually find them and download them if you go through the store manually. Yeah. So I did a network transfer there, and that worked great. Took just a few minutes to get all of that down because those files aren't really that big. But for everything else, I opted because I didn't have a whole lot on my PlayStation and I kind of cleaned up my Xbox in anticipation of the transition. So I opted to download some of those games off of the server simply to test things out because, you know, we've got all this new hardware, the new SSDs. Um, I do have a fiber connection, so it's usually pretty speedy anyways, but I just wanted to see coming off the server what it would do. And literally, I downloaded, I think Avengers is like 45 or 46 gigabytes I downloaded Demon Souls, which was 35 gigabytes, and I downloaded, and those so those two were on the PS5, just to make sure we're clear. Yeah. And then I downloaded Valhalla on the Xbox, which I forget what the size is, but 40, 50 gigs, probably minimum. And literally all three of those games with hardline fiber connections were under 30 minutes. I'd probably peg it right around 25. And in the past... It was probably at least 45 minutes to an hour yeah. with the hardline connection I'd have on an Xbox One X or PS4. So you're talking about cutting that at least by half. Yeah, in half. That's wild. So that was really exciting to see. And it just never stopped from there. Yeah. yeah. I know we just keep 
geeking out about how fast these consoles are, and and we are not exaggerating. No, it is the fastest video game consoles that you have ever seen, and load times barely exist. Well, in, and I'll I'll go as far as in game load times. Like if you need to fast travel somewhere. That's the blink of an eye. Right. Like, the longest time is really loading up the game. But once you're in a game, like, there there are no load times. I've consistently, like, referenced this tweet I saw, you know, a buddy sent in one of our group chats where he's basically like, I'm really sorry I haven't answered any of the group chats today. Video games basically have no late load times anymore. Yep. And it's never been more true. Like, you... you fast travel you go to pick up your phone you go to like you know oh, i got a load time and it's it's instantly there it's oh yeah wild it's wild yeah so i know we looked at a few things um and I, so just from the valhalla standpoint that was another thing i was paying attention to with the one x versus series x comparison because you know on the one x like valhalla was pretty good it was operating well you know couple minutes two three minutes probably to load up the game from the from the start menu and then when I would do fast travels, I'd say 30 seconds, you know, somewhere in there was the load time when you're sitting there in the fog yeah. waiting to go. And when it came over to the Series X, I mean, even startup times of the games, from the menu to startup, if you are, are starting up fresh, is minimal. Yeah. And I'd say that that went to under a minute easily. And then when I'm in there and you're doing a fast travel, it's under five seconds. Oh, yeah. Like, that is consistent because, like you said, the, the test is hit fast travel and try to even unlock your phone before you load in. And most of the time, you can't do it. Yeah, 100%. I'll say I, I gave it the Red Dead test because that was the big one that yes. everyone was talking about, you know, on all the showcases. People are loading up Red Dead super quick. So it was, you know, it was the first game that I downloaded. Probably not a good idea because it's over 100 gigabytes. So <laughs> it, it took some time. Uh, but I gave it that test. And from start menu, because I, I didn't do it from the home menu. I had already loaded the game. And so I'll, I'll give it about 30 to 40 seconds to get from the home menu into the game. And then from the start menu of the game, to loading into the story, I put a stopwatch to it, and it was 45 seconds, yep. which was absolutely insane, considering that was like a two-minute, three-minute, like legitimately, you can get up and go to the bathroom and come back, right. and you're, you're not in the game yet. So it passed that test. Yeah, well, and you had told me that your MO with Red Dead for a while was that you would you know, hit it to load, and then immediately pick up your phone just so you could entertain yourself while you waited for it to load. Yeah. Because of how long it was. And and I remember, I mean, I played it on PS4 too, and it was definitely like that. We did the online test, and it was pretty quick, you know, connecting to Red Dead Online. And I thought that was pretty impressive. So, you know, we talked about it in our next-gen expectations. We talked about it going way back to our 2020 preview because we had been talking about these consoles all along on Geek Catch-Up, but, you know, we expected these solid states to take us to the next level and give us, you know, seconds and minutes and hours and days of our lives back. And out the gate, it's just proving true. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you brought it up with Valhalla, five seconds. I'll say I went back and finished up Ghosts before buying Valhalla because I knew if I bought Valhalla before finishing Ghosts, I'd never finish Ghosts. And... It was 
maybe under five. I'm sorry, like it was probably faster. Yeah, because I'm telling you, like you couldn't even put the controller down in, in Ghosts if you went to fast travel. <laughs> it was I'm talking one to two seconds. Not exaggerating on that either. It's it's been incredible. Yeah. So one thing I will say, and it and it's it's I'm just gonna fanboy a little bit here and and nitpick a little bit just because I think it's a, a touch of a win, even though it really doesn't matter in the end of the day. But just talking about load times, startups, and things like that. So the Xbox Series X has what they call an instant on option. And so when you set it up, it's got some different ways that you can keep it in power mode as far as if it's essentially like a rest mode or not, you know, yeah. total total power off or not, things like that. And it and when I say it promotes that it's instant on and that is absolutely the way it works. Like I have come to find out that if I hold my Xbox controller button to turn on the Series X, it will be on before my TV can even boot. Like I saw, so like I'll hit the controller, then I'll hit the TV button for power, and almost every time, by the time the TV actually provides picture, the Xbox is already on. And and the only reason why I say it's a nitpicky thing is because technically it's always faster than the PlayStation because <laughs> you got to hit that profile button. On the PlayStation every time, yeah, you know, to to choose who you are to go in, you know, it, it's minimal. But I did think that the instant on thing was kind of cool because me having both consoles, those first couple days when I had them, I was literally bouncing console to console, game to game, just like, oh, I'm gonna go play a little bit of Valhalla. I'm gonna bounce over here, play some Master's Playroom. I'm gonna jump over here and play Demon Souls. Like I was just kind of taking it all in, and I never once felt like I even had that moment to pick up my phone, even when turning off one console, turning on another one, and then loading into a game. Like, it is literally a matter of two minutes, like, tops, like, start to finish. If you if yeah. you go straight from booting up a console, one of the new ones, to playing a game, you're pretty much going to be running around in that game in two minutes if you want it. In two minutes. Oh, yeah. Like, instant action. Yeah. I'll say, pro tip, for my PlayStation people out there, and they know what this is about. Eventually, you know that you're on the pl- the profile screen, and you hit the X button, even though you visually can't see it. <laughs> so it gives you that belief that it's brought you directly into the menu. Sure. I used to do that with my PlayStation Four all the time. Magic. I'd, I'd hit it and then turn on the TV, and then you know you wait like the five ten seconds that it had, yeah. and then just hit the X button, and that way when it all came up, it just wasn't on that screen. So. You you got to learn your own system, learn the quirks, okay, and then okay. and then maximize your time. I'm just not a, a I'm not a pro level user apparently. No, exactly. <laughs> that, that's all it is. You're a Xbox homer, so yeah, it's expected. It's true. It's true. But but honestly, I'm super happy that that is really proven to be true. The speeds are just I, I still right now am like geeking out over it because because load times have been the bane. Of gamers' existence forever, yeah, and and children of 2020 will literally never know what it's like to truly have to deal with load times off of a disc-driven console. And the best part about it is they're only going to get faster from here. You know, this is going to be the slowest SSD yeah. that we ever have in a game <laughs> console. We should never be going backwards. So, um, super pumped about that, but. Let's jump over to a few more things, Kyle, here. So really, I think we both felt like the standout, kind of the star of the show right now, 
is that PS5 DualSense controller. Oh, yeah. Let's jump into that, and what are your thoughts on the very much redesigned PS5 controller? I actually really like it. You know, the shape is good. It's comfortable. Once again, I'm not a big fan of the white, so the color is a little meh on me, but, you know, that will get corrected in time. They're going to give me other colors. But altogether, you know, it, it feels really good. I don't know if it's my all-time favorite controller. I think that one does have to go to the Pro Controller on the Switch. Um, just, I have smaller hands. We've talked about that in the past when it comes to, like, Super Nintendo controllers. Like, so my smaller hands like a smaller controller, like the Pro. But everything else that the PlayStation DualSense is giving me is incredible from the haptatic feedback and the adaptive triggers. Like, it's just excellent. And the speakers are really nice. Like, the little sounds that you're getting out of each game, they had that in the past. You got that on the PlayStation 4, but it really feels like they've come full circle. And then, for me, like, the rumble sensations yes, have just been phenomenal. Like, and it's funny, you look back and how blown away we were at the rumble pack <laughs> on the 64. And just the idea that our controller can give any sort of, you know, sensory feedback to you. Right. To what we have now, we're like, you know, Astro's Playroom, give it the quick shout out, walking on sand, being on water, walking on metal, all literally felt different, which is just insane. Yeah, it's not gimmicky. No. And that is one thing I think people should really understand because, you know, with what they were showing off... Some of the things they were claiming, you know, we've seen throughout the years of video games, especially with consoles, that they do come out with some gimmicky stuff. It doesn't always work. You know, I'm thinking about like the Kinect. It had some really good upside, but didn't quite get it there, didn't quite get over the hump. And so making a leap like this with a controller that is pretty much top to bottom redesigned you know, it's a little bit bigger than the previous DualShocks. Yeah. The rumble, like you said, is not only different from the standpoint of sometimes it, it feels one way versus another. Sometimes it's a light little buzz. Other times it's a jarring, you know, rocky rumble. But it it also can rumble in very specific places. Yeah. So, you know, in the past, we kind of just got the whole controller shook. Now, it's like maybe just one trigger will rumble, depending on what you're doing. Or the trigger's rumbling really tough, really, really heavy, while the left-handed in the pad of your hand is kind of just a, a little vibration, you know? And and yeah. so it really immediately brings it to life, especially in Astro's Playroom. You know, if anybody's sleeping on that game that has a PS5 or is going to get a PS5, do not it is a fantastic yeah. platformer that is a ton of fun, but but Sony was smart in building it specifically to showcase the new DualSense controller. Totally agree. Do not sleep on Astro's Playroom. I you know I made the mistake of downloading Red Dead out the gate, so I had a, a bit of a long wait time before I could play something. So I jumped into it and just fell in love with that game. And like you said, I, I think you put it perfectly. It's not gimmicky. Maybe on its surface, everything that this controller is giving you seems gimmicky. But when you get it in your hands and you realize the potential of it, it really comes full circle. I was recently talking with my brother because there's a lot of highlights coming around Call of Duty Cold War. Yep. And he's a big Call of Duty guy. And so I actually just called him up and I was talking to him. 
was like, hey, man, like, a lot of news out there about Cold War. I know you've been playing it. Like, is is everything they're saying with the DualSense controller true? Like, is it really that much better? And he was like, oh, yeah, hands down. Well, and let's let's put that into context, right, or qualify it. One of the big changes with Call of Duty and the DualSense controller is that they've made it so that the adaptive triggers, what that means essentially is that the game, they can program in uh, different pressures that will automatically adjust in the trigger so it's not just the exact same amount of pressure that you have to put. Sometimes it's super light and you can snap that trigger back all the way without any effort. Other times it's very heavy like there's a moment in astros where you're flying around in a rocket ship and when you're trying to pull it to get that thruster to go it's a a couple pounds of pressure i would probably say uh to get it all the way back and so in in cold war what treyarch and them had promoted was that they went through and if you're playing on ps5 every single gun the right trigger pull is is tuned to be very very similar if not exactly like it is on those guns in real life. And so I have not played it yet, but it's super tempting just because, I mean, you know, I, I am a gun owner. I like to go shoot. You know, I'm familiar with different types of guns, and I've, been, I've played a lot of Call of Duty. Yeah. So just that concept is really intriguing. But uh, So did Jeremy touch on that? Did he actually say if he felt like the guns were different, you know, gun to gun, or, or the triggers were different gun to gun? Well, I specifically asked him that, like, you know, hey, I've read that, legitimately each gun is supposed to have a unique feel and a unique rumble to it and he said yeah he's like you know he he typically he runs with an ar and he's like that feels different than my shotguns which feel different from my you know sidearms and things like that that's and i was like i'm like that sounds cool and then the sounds i guess that the controller gives in that game has also taken it to the next level okay um especially you're talking about like the little light rumbles and things like that. So explosions that are closer or farther away are going to give a different rumble on the controller, a different sound pop on the controller. Okay. And, you know, another thing that he pointed out, you know, just to highlight everything that he told me is that the frame rates were absolutely, like, obviously better. Yeah. Um, but the controller is really where the biggest difference could be seen, you know. Because everything else is just a Call of Duty. Right. But he said, but with this new DualSense controller and the trigger, the adaptive triggers, it really gave the game like a true unique feel. And I, and honestly, it could give it some staying power. I could see that. And I, and like extends the life of people playing it. You know, some people will, will jump in and maybe, uh, maybe that specific version of Call of Duty. I know Call of Duty does rotations yeah. with three different development yeah. teams, so I, I don't know which one. I'm not a Call of Duty player, so I don't know which one Cold War's on. Treyarch. Oh, they're on. Yeah, you just <laughs> said Treyarch, yeah. Uh, so they're on, yeah, so if they're on Treyarch right now, he said typically somebody that doesn't play the Treyarch one, this could give them a reason to stick around a little bit longer because it's made such a, a unique, you know, playing experience. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, when you saw, like, when we when I came up and we were at your house that night just checking it out and just playing Astros and stuff, I mean, I felt like we were giddy little kids. Like, yeah. when I got that controller in my hand, I don't know if you saw, but I, I feel like my facial expression was just like, ooh, you know, like, oh, my <laughs> <Yeah>. God. <laughs> well, it was, the, it was in that exciting. moment, <laughs> I had already played it. Yeah. So, like, I, I had already experienced, you know, the rocket suit, and then even, like, when you're in the little ape suit or the yeah. frog suit, I had already done most of that, 
and I hadn't told you about it. So I was like, he's going to come up here. You know, we're just going to get him set up on some Astros. And I wasn't watching it. I was just sitting there watching you being like, he's 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 feeling the rumble. Like yeah. He's going in the rocket ship. He's yeah. feeling the right booster and the left booster. Like, and it's, it is really cool. And, and hats off to Sony for developing Astro's Playroom, like, which is really just a showcasing everything that controller can do. Yeah, if they hadn't done that, we definitely wouldn't have gotten as much showcasing of the different abilities because, yeah. you know, there's not a whole lot of games out right now that are specific, you know, next gen or specific to PS5. So there's minimal, you know, development that's really taking full control or full advantage of the DualSense controller. And so I kind of appreciated Astros from that because it immediately shows you what this thing is capable of and the fact that they seem to have hit it on the money. One thing I will say, you mentioned the sound effects it has there. I was, uh, I'm a little, I can take that or leave it as far as sound effects off the controller go. But what I did think was cool was that they built in the microphone. And so players can use your controller to chat if you need to. Like say your headset dies or you don't have a headset right now. You can technically use your controller to chat with other people. So I thought that that was a plus for gamers. But I will say the one thing that they showed off in Astros that I thought was might a little little bit much or a little bit gimmicky, uh, maybe even kind of gross in a current COVID world, was <laughs> the blowing into the controller to simulate wind to do something in the game. Like, okay, cool little thing to do here. But the more I started thinking about it, like... You go over to your buddy's house, you check out the the game, or you're playing some local co-op, and now you've got this controller that he's just been, like, blowing spit and (laughs) germs all over for however many hours that you don't know about, you know? I might have to carry some wet wipes every time I go somewhere now to to game, but but that's just, you know, having a little fun there. But it it really, top to bottom, can do, and it's got motion control. We didn't even touch on yeah. that. It's got yeah, motion didn't even control. Didn't touch on the motion control. In. Yeah. So yeah. it does everything. They. It's a clear winner from that standpoint over the Xbox here. I. I said almost immediately. I wish I could get a DualSense controller on my Xbox right now because it is that good and it could be that much of a game changer. You know, between the two consoles in the long run, if Microsoft doesn't come out with something to compete with it down the line. The Xbox controller in general is a great controller. I've always liked it, but the Series X one was minimally adjusted. You know, they they added the 8-way D-pad, which is kind of the star of that show. It definitely is a nice feel, more precision. Playing Tetris Connected, yeah. I actually really immediately enjoyed the 8-way D-pad. But other than that, the only real difference is, is that you get USB-C port. It's a little faster charging if you're using a, re- a rechargeable. That's a plus. Um, and then they textured gripped the bottom you know underneath the controller yeah and they put a little bit of grip on the triggers so it's got a great feel you know a little bit tweaked from what you got with the uh, 1x or the the 1s controllers but not nearly the leap that we saw with the dual sense so i'm thinking in a perfect world and you combine these two controllers how much of the xbox controller are you bringing over Oh, I would take, because I think the Xbox controller fits perfectly in my hands. Like, I was actually really happy to see the PS5 controller become a little bigger. Yeah. And I, you know, we posted some pictures and I was showing them, like, it's really close now. You know, the whole adage of the PlayStation controller being smaller or fitting in your hands better is going to be a little bit harder to sell because they are very, very close. 
So I would actually personally take the design because I also like the split sticks better. Okay. It makes it's a little comfortable, more comfortable for my thumbs versus both being straight down. But give me give me all the functionality of the dual sense. Give me the rumble, give me the triggers, give me all of it and just put it into Xbox design and I would be super happy. Yeah, the Xbox design has always just been a little too thick. And I think it's just like the divot in my hand yeah. where, where it sits. Like I've just, like I said, I have smaller hands. And so it's just a little too thick and it's always felt a little too weighty. And and I think we had a, well, I'll say we, we, had, a, we had a pretty intense conversation about the size of the controllers in, <laughs> a while back and me arguing that the Xbox controller was still bigger. And it was around the time that I said the first time I had said that the pro controller was my might be my favorite controller of all time. And it, and it wasn't until we put them next to each other and saw that it's still slightly thicker. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. And it just throws me off just a little bit. But in this case, the dual sense controller from a width perspective is bigger than the Xbox. When I put them up together and I can repost the picture, but you can see that you know left to right width is definitely bigger on the dual sense but still vertically kind of top to bottom it looks like the xbox controller is a little fatter yeah so i I just don't think it's going to be enough of a difference anymore to really cause issues for people like even yourself i i would imagine that you would probably at now after spending time with the switch pro controller you know you'll spend more time with the dual sense i don't think that you would find the the xbox controller as egregious yeah you know to you now because you're just going to be more used to it since they've all kind of closed the gap yeah yeah and they've all combined and i'll I'll tell you i gave up using the controller as my excuse is why i'm losing (laughs) a long time ago yeah if you're a real gamer you definitely don't pull any of that oh i play this on xbox crap yeah oh the buttons are different i meant to throw to the the triangle not the b yeah Uh, no like i gave that up a long time ago it's just it's just for pure comfort and you know it always gets a rise out of everybody yeah so one thing that we haven't really touched on just yet is you know what everybody's always concerned about with new video game consoles and that is the the graphics and and I think we're going to here when we jump into games but the last thing I think I wanted to say or share before we jump over to some of the games we've been playing on the consoles just to be fair here because we've praised them up and down is that there have been some reported issues for both consoles uh, nothing that seems to be entirely game breaking nothing that seems to be entirely widespread but with the Xbox you know first we saw on day 1 People sending viral videos around of the Xbox, you know, bellowing smoke out of the top of it. That was fake. It was proven to be fake. People were blowing, you know, vape smoke, bubblegum, fruit punch, you know, whatever through their console. And it looked cool, you know, but it was was pushing it through. I say I retweeted the video of Edge's entrance. Yeah, that was pretty (laughs) epic, you know. So that if you've seen that, it do not worry. Do not be concerned. That's not going to happen to your Xbox. Um, some other people had reported disk drive issues with it where, you know, it was making loud clicks or it wasn't quite accepting the disk the way it should. I don't think anything that was too, too widespread, but it is out there. Uh, not something I have seen. Really, the only other issue that has happened that has been a little bit more widespread with the Series X is that they're having some issues with like headset connections or the Bluetooth um connections and that did impact me i'm using a turtle beach stealth 600 gen 2 
and I was getting, you know, I connected all right, but I was getting intermittent audio. And then when I plugged the headset into the console, um, it actually completely disconnected my controllers, kind of caused me some panic there at first. But uh, I did see online that that is something that's happened a little bit more widespread. And it's not just Turtle Beach headphones. It's uh, Steel Series and some of the other. Just seems like it's the wireless one. Yeah. So probably needs a software firmware update to resolve that. So that's probably been the most impactful bug that I've had so far, but not a game breaker. And then um, we did see some on the PS5. So did you have any of those? The only major one I had on the PS5 is also headset related. And I'm not even sure if it's a bug or just more like a preference issue right now. And that is with the Bluetooth headphones that it defaults to my Bluetooth headphones upon boot up. And I have to go in and switch it back to my TV, yep. which, you know, obviously is not the end of the world. But, you know, I, it, it, the question really becomes, do I unplug the Bluetooth receiver and then, I'm, and then plug it in when I need it? Or do I just follow this process of switching the audio to my TV every time I boot up? Neither, I guess, is really like the end of the world. Just like a nuisance yeah. at this point. And I expected there to be a patch later where I can set a preference. Um, that's the only one that's really affected me. I've seen a few of the others, like the coil noises uh, and a few other things. None of that has has hit me yet. Yeah, I, I haven't had anything as far as the issues go with the PS5, except for the, the weirdness with the audio. I, I do think it's just an odd default configuration for it to swap from TV audio to the headset audio. What really got me is that it will do it even if the headset is turned off. Yeah. You know, so in the past, it would make sense. You turn the headset on and maybe it would swap over if you were running all chat and game audio through the headphones, but not when it's turned off, you know, but if that dongle is plugged in, that's just what it does. So like you said, mostly just a nuisance, but keep it in mind, if you are using a wireless headset on the PS5, you may come across that. There were a few reports, kind of like the Xbox, nothing too, too widespread, but there have been some reports of um, game downloads on the PS5 queuing up, but never downloading. And then some of those people actually had to do full factory resets to resolve it. Issues also came out of like using rest mode. And so people that were putting the PS5 in rest mode, it wasn't coming out of rest mode properly. And I believe it was requiring some restarts. So still nothing fatal, but not what you necessarily want to see out of your brand new you know, console, $500 device. I saw one article from IGN where one of their reporters, one of their reviewers had numerous crashes. And that was the only one that I've seen. So that seemed a little bit more rare, but he was saying that he was actually getting console crashes on his PS5. And then they had some where they had people loading games from a disc. And then they said that when you would remove the disc to like switch games or, or whatever it may be, it was uninstalling the games. So really just kind of driving people nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so I wouldn't say that from what I've seen, at least, you know, the numbers aren't great enough to think that there's any real issues with either console. It's pretty much just launch day bugs that you're going to see with almost any brand new piece of technology. Uh, but we did want to share them just because they are out there. You know, it could happen. But thankfully, outside of the headset items, we haven't been impacted with our consoles yeah no well I, I mentioned the coil one had you heard of the coil issue 
Yeah, with the fans on the PS5s being noisy already. Yeah. And it being because there's something inside that's rubbing. Yep, yeah, and you have to take it apart and, like, basically peel a sticker off that had come loose. Yeah, I thought that was odd. But also really minimal. You know, it hasn't been widespread. I I saw the videos. It did sound terrible. (laughs) You know, it almost sounded exactly like my old ass PS4. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, wheezing along, trying to run Avengers. Yeah, but you also got to think, they're shipping millions of these things. The law of averages, Yeah, you are going to have some that are going to have some issues. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this and you're about to pick one up, you're going to get one for Christmas, whatever it may be, I definitely wish you the best of luck. But I don't think that it would be anything to really be concerned about as far as getting a first-gen device because it seems like the launches, outside of availability, the launches have been pretty smooth. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, all right, Kyle, let's jump over here and talk a little bit about some of the games we've been playing. And, of course, it's probably important to note that one of the hallmarks of this next-gen upgrade is the fact that it's a little different from most previous console launches from the standpoint that really neither console has many launch title games. No. You know, you've got Miles Morales and Astros and Demon's Souls on playstation you've got pretty much no exclusives on xbox except for maybe tetris connected you know you could throw that in there tetris effect connected since that only came out on the xbox but that is an older game just kind of refreshed and finally brought to the xbox as it has been on the playstation for a number of years but you know in the past we would typically see 10, 15, 20 launch games, either on the day the console comes out or within those first two or three weeks. And and even I was actually looking on the Sony store, and if you go to the list of, you know, PS5 titles, it's like six. Yeah. You know, it, it's it not is much. Minimal. And and so we did both pick up Valhalla. We've kind of touched on it a little bit. And so that's kind of been our launch day game. I know we've tried out a few other things that we've touched on. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Valhalla and go from there, especially also considering the visuals and the graphics, you know, and the lighting, those types of things that we didn't touch on just a bit ago with our console review, but um, really come into play once you're actually into the games and running around in these worlds. So I know I've played a lot more of the Assassin's Creed than you have so far, but Give us your first impressions and what you're thinking, you know, really seeing it on the PS5. Well, it's been incredible. I I will also say at the time of upgrading to the PS5, I also upgraded televisions. True. So prior to this, I had an older um, HDTV, like was not 4K. So it kind of sounds strange to hear that I would imagine (laughs) that. I know somebody that games as much as I do and this and that, I never actually went out and got a 4K TV, even when they were on the cheaper side, whether it was, you know, couldn't afford it out the gate or didn't have the space for it. And then ultimately I bought this new house and now I just wanted to wait. So graphically, uh, my mind is still just shook (laughs) because, (laughs) I, you know, I went from having uh, like a nine-year-old TV which was a hand-me-down from Chris. <laughs> like, this hand-me-down TV, this nine-year-old TV uh, that did HD but didn't do 4K, 
And now all of a sudden I'm on a 4K TV with the PlayStation 5 and like literally everything that pops up in Valhalla, I'm just like, (gasps) (laughs) look at the textures, look at the detail, like every single bit of it. So uh, obviously like that reaction might not be as extreme for others that have been playing on maybe a PS4 Pro or other seen, you know, regular 4K in their everyday lives. But for me, it's just been really really crazy to to see and to experience and just the level of detail across the board and Valhalla and all the games really it's just like I said my mind is still shook I, I I struggle to find words to describe it because it's been like this whole new world of high def television yeah it's like when Dorothy goes from black and white to Technicolor <laughs> in the Wizard of Oz man yeah that, I mean that's basically <laughs> I'm not in Kansas anymore right and right <laughs> losing my mind so graphically it's been amazing as far as Valhalla in itself um, I'm really only like six hours into it I spent a lot of my time out the gate with the PS5 beating ghosts yeah like I said I didn't want to lose that game it was such a fun experience on the first half that I got to play before the four died on me Um, so I'm only about six hours into it but it's it's been a drastic change from what I remember because the last AC game I played was Assassin's Creed 3. Right. Which is the Revolutionary War. So I'm not even... That was a PlayStation 3 game. Yeah, so you're talking 10 plus years. Yeah, because I think it got remastered on the 4. Probably. So my like my history with Assassin's Creed, I played the first one, uh, and then I played the third one, and then I just never went back. Odyssey, always fl- I always flirted with it. I, I heard good things. I wanted to go try it out. But then by the time I was committed to going to try it, like Valhalla's trailers were already there. So why not just wait? Right. But it's been a fun re-entry into the series. I know that from everyone I know that played the older games is like, oh, well, the AC you're experiencing now is nothing like even two or three games ago. Right. Uh, so, But it, it's been a lot of fun. I'm really enjoying the open world RPG aspect, the the little mythical items rather than side quests has been cool. A lot of spelunking, a lot of cliff, you know, (laughs) cliff diving and cliff climbing and, you know, spot checking and things like that. But, you know, when the graphics get the update that I'm getting, like you don't mind just climbing up a rock wall just to get to the top and to look around. Yeah. And you really see the scale when you get up on some of those mountains there at the beginning of what they've built in this game and it really just expands as you go from Norway to England. But I have to say that I totally agree. You know, if you really just put them up next to each other, the Xbox One X and the Series X or or maybe a PS4 Pro to the PS5 Pro, graphically, they are very similar. And we've said in the past that this jump, at least at this moment in time out the gate, it wasn't going to be about graphics that really was the most impressive thing. Like, you definitely can tell that the textures are richer, and and I kind of got a little bit of a side-by-side going from what I played on the 1X to seeing it on Series X, and I definitely feel there are some noticeable differences. I'd say primarily in the lighting. Yeah. The lighting capabilities on these new engines, or the new consoles, I think, really is what shines the most. You know, those sun flares, when it's rising in Valhalla, and some of the camera angles you get are just spectacular. Like, they're borderline as breathtaking as they are seeing a sunset or a sunrise in real life. 
And and so I think that a lot of that has really upped it. But it's also the frame rates. And you touched on it because you said that your brother mentioned it with Call of Duty. I feel like I've meant, I've noticed it in Valhalla. Um, and I really also noticed that a lot in Demon's Souls, just to kind of throw some stuff there, since I've, I've played a little bit. I've gotten through the first level, beat the first boss of Demon's Souls. But having played all those kind of combat games in the past, you know, I really feel like you're getting a lot smoother feel to the combat. You can see everything that's going on a lot more clear. There's less blur. There's less textural breakdowns, um, less lag. You know, we we jump back into Avengers to throw another one out there. Yeah. And in Avengers, you've got a ton of stuff going on between the the hero powers, the enemy powers. You know, when we're running around as Thor and you've just got freaking lightning just barreling everywhere. Yeah. You know, in when we played it on PS4, it would slow down a little bit. It would blur together a little bit. Yeah. And we both were, were talking about when we played on Sunday that, like, just damn. Like, you see every lightning bolt. You see every spark. You see every color. Yeah. And, and, it, and it handled it really well without any lag. And so... I definitely think that you get that uptick in the graphics, but really it's that processing power. It's that, you know, frame rate increase that, you know, maybe even though it's slight, if you play enough games, you will feel the difference when you're actually in there in these worlds. Yeah. And the big one for me, not only on Avengers that we played together, but was Ghosts. And Ghosts and Red Dead 2 are the games that I either have played the most on the PlayStation 4 or played the most recently on the PlayStation 4, like really extensive gameplay. And both just looked phenomenal and felt great. Ghost was super smooth. And I know that it was smooth on the 4, but the combat really seemed to step up on the 5, on the upgraded to the PS5, where, you know, taking on multiple enemies, walking in into an enemy camp, and being approached by 10, 15 different people, uh, you know, you could see them all. You could you could hear the arrows that were coming at you, see the arrows coming at you. And it made the combat just that much more immersive that you're just one person totally pinned down. And as far as Red Dead, that was the lighting. You talked about lighting and the that was really incredible. Like the reflections off the creeks yeah. and, and other areas. I think, you know, when you were up, we booted up Red Dead just to kind of walk around for a while. And that was one of the very first things that I know that you had pointed out was the reflection yep. and the shadows in the water was just something to behold. It's definitely giving the current gen games, you know, the one X, the PS4 games that we've been getting a uplift once you play them on the new consoles. So you're getting some benefits there. And I think that we're, you know, seeing it even more with some of these games that were a little bit closer to launch. Like Valhalla was pretty much a launch title, even though it came out on both. Demon Souls, it is very present, you know, because that is one of the true, you know, launch titles that we actually got. It's only on PS5, I believe, and and it was built for PS5. So I think that's kind of maximizing the graphical power, the frame rates, kind of everything to the max. But it's also such a darker game that you don't get to really... Yeah. Like the lighting's... You're getting lighting benefits, but in a different way because that's more about shadows and and torches and things like that versus, yeah. you know, Valhalla or um, Avengers or some of the other games where it's a lot brighter 
and yeah. you're out in kind of more of a real world environment with the sun and, and everything. So it's definitely showing us that the future is bright. Yeah. And I think that pretty much every game I've touched so far has been impressive in its own right from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me intrigued to play Miles Morales. Like, I, I know I said I was probably going to get Miles Morales on launch day. Ultimately, I didn't because of the whole debacle with how long that game is and how much it costs. Right. I'm not going to go into full detail on on my frustrations <laughs> with that. But it does make me interested to play it because of how they've designed Harlem. Yeah. And and how well designed and what and how good the Spider-Man looked. And to be able to see, you know, basically New York again. Right. But with, with this, with, you know, everything being updated, uh, it's very intriguing to go play. And maybe when it goes on sale, or not maybe when it goes on sale, when it goes on <laughs> sale, I'll go buy it and thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah. But that, you know, I, I think that game is going to be gorgeous as well. Yeah. I have to give a shout out since we're talking about looks. Tetris Effect Connected. I went and downloaded that downloaded that off of Game Pass, you know, immediately once I got my Series X. And and of course, if you're familiar, it's the classic Tetris Effect game that's been out for a few years where you've got kind of Tetris redesigned, reimagined. You've got lots of uh, EDM music that's kind of synced up to your play, good sound effects to really bring it alive. Um, Kyle, is, this has been one of his favorite games yeah. for a long time, but... You get a lot of really good, high-contrast, high-color visuals that go along with the boards that you're playing. And so, you know, it's really kind of built for a 4K display. And, you know, I had played a little little bit of it before, like at your house or or whatever, but didn't own it, hadn't played it all the way through. And it kind of was like the surprise star of my transition because I actually found myself having to tell myself, stop playing Tetris (laughs) <laughs> Go try other things. Yeah. Because, A, it's a ton of fun, but it's just so visually impressive. And so jumping into that true 4K with, you know, higher frame rates and everything just looking really good. I mean, it was just blowing my mind how crisp, how vibrant all those colors were. And and the way it handled it, it just seemed to bring it even that much more to life than when I had played it before on the standard HD. Yeah. And I thought that even though it's a simple game, it kind of highlighted some of those great transitions from that standpoint with the 4k, just because it's all built around. It's like a DJ set. Yeah. You know, if you're sitting there watching a DJ on stage and he's got the, the monitors on both sides, you know, with the videos and, and all the trippy shit, you know, to get you going (laughs) and get you feeling it, you know, it's, it's like that, but as a video game. And so it really was impressive from that standpoint. I also also say because I love Tetris Effect and have been singing its praises for years now. It's incredibly therapeutic. Yeah. Which I which I think also may play into why it's difficult to put down or to get away from is that it, it is it is a, an experience. It's incredibly like calming, you know, and you know, just kind of putting the mind at ease and puzzle solving and the soundtrack is excellent. Yeah. And the visuals are right there with it. So therapeutic is is maybe the only really solid word that you can use to describe Tetris Effect. So another little game that you could easily look past, but don't sleep on it. Yeah, I actually was uh sending the word out to some of our other friends that, you know, our Xbox guys have Game Pass and had never ever heard or seen of Tetris Connected, Tetris Effect. And they all had the same 
response. Yeah. I don't think I told you this, but they literally, their mind, the text I was getting was just like, holy shit, how did I not know about this game? You know, they were going full immersion, lights off, headphones, yeah. all the visuals, and were just extremely blown away by it. And uh, and then uh, our friend Anthony, he's got like a 10-year-old, 11-year-old son who's plays a lot of Fortnite and stuff, but it's still kind of an infant when it comes to uh, video games and all that's out there. And the, he had him playing, and it was the same thing. He was just like, what is going on, <laughs> you know? And And so it's really cool just to see how Tetris is still being evolved over the years, you know, given that it's borderline like one of the original games. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and then it'd be cool to see them adopt the Tetris 99 model, Yeah. which is anything but therapeutic. <laughs> that is just mayhem and chaotic. Yeah. So it's on the opposite end of the spectrum. It would be cool to see that come into play, or if they can bring that into play, maybe they'll leave Tetris 99 on the Switch exclusive. Yeah, I'd like to see them out of, you know, they, they brought in the online mode for this game when they brought it to Xbox, which was cool. So you get some co-op versions. There's some of the competitive modes. But, you know, playing Tetris 99 and how cool that, w- that was, it would be amazing if they added that in here, as well as taking connected to the PlayStation so we can get some cross-platform play. Because I think there's a lot of potential there. But right now, most of my focus has been on beating the journey mode or the campaign mode, whatever they call it. So um, it really, it seems funny, you know, when you got Valhalla, you got Demon Souls, you got all these games out there, but that really ended up being kind of my little surprise star of the transition and really kind of getting to max out what that game can do and look like with the new hardware. It is kind of funny looking at the launch day games and all the titles that were out there and the hype that was there. We talked about Godfall and Miles Morales, and obviously Valhalla. And it ended up being what I think is Tetris Effect <laughs> and Astro's Playroom yeah. that struck you know a chord with us that ended up just being a ton of fun. And little games, both in their own right, could be called gimmicky, uh, but ended up being a ton of fun. Yeah, they totally delivered. You know, And really, it'll just be now about uh, seeing if the, the next big one coming down the pike here delivers, and that's Cyberpunk. Yeah. Because I cannot wait to see that city on the next gen. Yeah. Based on initial previews and everything, it just sounds unbelievable. You know, the hype is real. The wait is worth it. And I feel like, you know, never even having to worry about seeing that game on the current gen consoles is going to be a plus because I think visually it should be just top notch and kind of show us truly, you know, what the next gen of games can be, even though it may not have been completely designed for these i think it's still going to take advantage of what the ps5 and the series x can do yeah and that's something actually that my brother when i was talking about call of duty he was like man it what we're getting you know out of this limited release has been so impressive like can you imagine what we're going to get in two or three years when the developers have perfected it oh yeah it's it's super exciting and they all, the consoles always get better as they go. And just seeing how big of a head start now we have with this generation, with the SSDs, the power, the dual sense. I mean, it the future is definitely looking good. And we just need those developers to start pumping out games because if there's anything, even though we've got stuff to play, like I was, I found myself in the store today still, you know, looking around. Yeah. Was there anything else? It's Tuesday. Like, did anything else come out today? 
and and it hadn't yet. So um, it, it's just can't get enough of it at the moment. It's like full revitalization of of gaming for me right now. Well, as expected, both Microsoft and Sony had slight stumbles out the gate during the release of their next-gen consoles. However, the areas that we, and we believe most gamers, care about are shining brightly, giving us confidence that the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5 will go on to be one of the best video game generations ever. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this chapter, be sure to hit the subscribe button to get new chapters of Geek Catch-Up every two weeks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Be sure to follow the show on social media, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube at Geek Catch-Up Podcast, or on Twitter and Instagram at Geek Catch-Up Pod. Links to all these accounts are in the show notes below and on our website, geekcatchuppodcast.com. Stay saucy, you nerds. <laughs>